the word game changer has been used by two individuals in the past two weeks to me when I've said to them about switching the focus from yourself to the audience. Our biggest fear when we're standing up to speak, we're afraid that people are looking at us and they're judging us. That's Maureen McCowan, whose mission is to take the fear out of speaking in public. And that's everything from a pitch to simply speaking up at that next meeting so your voice can be heard. And in this episode of Your Truth Shared, we tackle the issue of speaking, which generates such anxiety in so many entrepreneurs and executives. And we dedicate this episode of Your Truth Shared to Maureen's brother-in-law, Johnny McCowan, who was diagnosed with a form of motor neuron disease in September, 2021. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. And the thing I love about Maureen is she's got tapped into one of those things that all entrepreneurs fear and this whole idea of speaking. How she describes herself is really fantastic because she describes herself as someone who helps individuals and teams unlock their speaking confidence. I just love that. But let's start at the very beginning, Maureen, and let's start with how did your journey as an entrepreneur start and how long are you in business? Thanks. Thanks for inviting me on, Finola. So how long I'm in business is just over two years. So February of 2019 is when I set up. And my background is teaching secondary school teacher for almost 30 years, teaching languages, Irish and French. And I decide I had always wanted to teach. I was one of those kids that had, you know, the, the blackboard the easel blackboard and I had all the dolls and the teddies all lined up in front of it and I was teaching them and I'd give them homework and everything when I was a kid. So I always wanted to teach. And I remember one day in, you know, at lunchtime in the staff room and a group of us were sitting around and we were talking about, if you weren't a teacher, what would you do? And I had never had a plan B. And it was like, I have no idea if teaching hadn't worked out what I would do because I never wanted to do anything else. Until suddenly I thought, I wonder, could I do something else? And that was literally what happened. A few different things had happened. Um, My youngest had started off into college. So there was that sense of freedom that I was no longer responsible for him. We, uh, no, my parents and parents-in-laws have all passed. So there was no Mm -hmm. sense of responsibility that side. So there was this level of freedom that was there. And I was thinking, I wonder, can I do something different? And a close friend of mine was after taking early retirement that year. And with the, the blessing of her son and her adult daughter, she went to the States for three months to follow her passion and to study. And I was like, wow, you don't have to follow the normal path, you know, so why not try something different? And you're really lucky when you're teaching because you have the opportunity to take a career break. So there is that safety net that's there. So I decided and I remember where I was in the staff room. I walked into the staff room one day in December, mid-December, and I looked around and everybody was sitting in their groups chatting. And I was like, is this what I want to do for the rest of my career? Or am I going to do something different? I love it. And how long had you been teaching at that point? 29 years. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. 29 years. And I, I find it re- it's so interesting that it came to this point, that it was just a moment, mm. a pure, a lucky moment, you think? Yeah. It was different things had fallen into place. So, you know, obviously my own personal circumstances. And then, Mm. like I said, Maura, the friend of mine who had taken her retirement and went and did her thing. And I had lost a couple of close friends to cancer. And these things wake you up and sort of like, well... What what am I doing? What am I about? And there was also that little niggle at the back of my mind. You know, can I do something else? Am I able to do anything else? Or is all I'm able to do teach? <laughs> so there was that as well. And once the the once that seed was sown, I applied for my career break. You have to apply in the January for the following autumn. So I applied in the January, and I literally did not know what I was going to do. And I'm the sort of person who always likes to have a plan. Everything is always laid out. You know, we went, we were going that year to Australia for six weeks. My brother-in-law was getting married and we were, and, and it was all planned out because I knew what we were doing. And suddenly here was the next year or more of my life and it wasn't planned out. And I was absolutely fine with that. I just had this belief, this will all fall into place. Whatever is meant to be will be. I went to a career coach. And he did various tests on me and he said, are you sure you want to leave teaching? Because that's where all of your strengths lie. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? And somebody suggested to me, well, why don't you do um, coaching or training and do corporate training? I was like, what's corporate training? Literally no idea of what we're talking about. So did my research. I'm a research nerd. Google is my best friend. And I researched and I thought, okay, yeah, that's, that sounds okay. I can do that. So I went to the IITD course, did there what used to be the train the trainer course, the professional practice cert. So mm-hmm. I did that in the following September with a view at that stage to probably doing some training with some of the larger organizations going in as an associate trainer. And when I contacted them, I got no replies, couldn't get a cup of coffee with anybody. Nobody was interested in talking to me. And I was like, okay, well, why don't I try this by myself? So that was about the November of 2018. That's so brave, Maureen. A lot of people say that. I suppose I don't see it as brave because I always had the, well, look, we'll see how this works out. And if not, I can always go back to teaching, even though back in my mind, it was like, I want this to work out. But it was, I didn't feel I had anything to lose by trying it. You know, that was, that was the way it was. But also, I think it's what's also interesting is no, didn't scare you. No, and it does, it never scares me actually. When they didn't, when they didn't say come for a cup of coffee, when they didn't say, yes, we'll meet you or yes, we're interested when they, you know, the absence of a yes can sometimes be interpreted as a no. And the Mm. fact that you acted, you still trusted yeah, uh, I suppose I, I, I come from tough stock. <laughs> from from my, my parents would have had hard lives. You know, my, my dad had a bad accident before my parents got married and he was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And wow. they overcame a lot of hardship. They were living in the in England at the time and then they bought a small business, you know, the, the local village shop. Mm. They bought that with, you know, I'm talking about not having business experience or background myself, but they didn't have anything. They moved to back to Ireland, but to a, a new town, didn't know anybody and set up a very successful business for themselves there through sheer hard work and yeah. determination and grit. And I suppose that's part of my DNA as well, you know, that it has come through. So, um, 
So the nose didn't stop me. So I decided I'd I'd try it out and see what would happen. And the that January then of 2019, again, back to Google, I went, to, you know, how to be successful in business. Literally, this was what I was at and networking came up and I was like, OK, see for networking and um, Kildare Chamber. They meet in Nace. So I just contacted them and said, look, I'm thinking of setting up a business and, you know, wanting to come along to a meeting. So they said to come along and that you'll be doing your 60 second pitch. So back to Google, what's a 60 second pitch? (laughs) I love it. I love it. And looked up examples of them. And because I've had Toastmasters for 10 years, I was like, okay, 60 second pitch is a mini speech. I've been doing speeches. I know how to do this. That's fine. And at my first meeting, my pitch literally was saying to people who I was and what I was thinking of doing and looking for their advice to see, do you think is this a viable business or not? Because they were the established business owners in the room and I got a universal thumbs up there and I've kept going since. Yeah, I love it. When you got to the point of, well, how did you move into uh, speaking, you know, that whole idea with confidence of speaking. How did that emerge? The That came about because I was trying to take the easiest route. If I was going to, I had the skills, the qualifications for training. And then yeah. it's, well, what do you train? And yeah. then it was like, well, I don't need to upskill and do something that's totally different and, you know, something that's, that's, already that I'd have to spend a lot of time upskilling if this wasn't going to be something that worked out for me because that's always at the back of your mind. Mm. And then I thought, well, how about public speaking? And originally, because of the name being soft skills success, I was looking at an umbrella of soft skills options. And that first Kildare Chamber meeting, someone said to me, you need to narrow down, you need to niche it down. And I wasn't niching it down to a particular audience at that stage. So I thought I'll, I'll niche down what I'm offering. And I'll just start off with this and see how it goes. And that was how it came about. And then the the Unlocking Speaking Confidence came about at, at a Network Ireland event where they were at a, a table. They said to us, you know, you need to think of something short for a tagline. If you don't have a tagline, think of one now. And they gave us about five minutes to think of one. And the first one that I came up with that I still use is the, the communicate with clarity, present without pressure. And then I was thinking, okay, people have this confidence in them. And it is in people. It's just to be untapped because nobody can give you confidence. People can come to me for training. They can go to anyone for training to become more confident as a speaker. I can't make you more confident, but I can show you how you can develop your confidence by having structure in your speech, by having techniques that will help you to be more confident and more relaxed before you go into a speaking speaking situation. But I can't give you that confidence. It has to come from you. Do you think it's in everyone though? I think it is. I think a lot of people find it very difficult. The number of people who speak to me about experiences that they've had being made to stand up in school and read and these things that we think should be helping to develop kids' confidence and it has caused long-term insecurities for an awful lot of people that, that, you know, having to be in the school play when they really, really, really didn't want to. So, Really? It's gone that back back that far? Yes, yeah. It has for quite a number of people. Now, sometimes you might have like this uh, a client who working with at the moment, and it was one 
a boss of hers a number of years ago who passed a snide comment when she was delivering a presentation and that knocked her confidence and she can put it back to that. But it's just the the power of words for starters and what we yeah. say to people. And that's one thing. But um, yeah, that being asked to stand up and read in school and hating it or maybe being a little bit self-conscious or having a little bit of a stammer or someone just sniggers when you make a say a word or make a mistake and that's it you know you come from a teaching background so you kind of know this space as well as knowing your new career that you have now your business now but what can we do in the schooling system about that. I mean, that's very interesting to me, especially I have a 12 year old son. I know what he's gone through in his life. And the, the that's interesting because he was forced to do some things. Mm. And I wonder how it stays, like what is the option? Because it seems logical that we should let our kids practice when we think that they don't have all the weight of baggage that we get when we're older. But actually that's the starting point. It is. And I suppose for some people, you know, that being forced to stand up and read could have been the making of them. They didn't want yeah. to go on stage and then they did. And that gave them, that opened up a new opportunity for them. And you probably have as many people on the, the opposite side of that as well, who are really grateful that they were pushed into doing something. But it's very difficult. It's very difficult to know. I suppose one thing is that the people who are coming to me now are adults now and the school system has changed and the way the teaching has changed since they were in school and maybe there's more awareness of it from primary school I can't I can't say I don't know what it is but from my own experience you know if you have students who generally if, if it's in secondary school if somebody is really anxious about reading out then They'll, they'll say it to you. They'll come and say it to you and you don't ask them. And it's not as much an issue, I think, in secondary school because you don't have as much of that trying to build up that confidence and getting them reading aloud as what you do in primary school. But from my situation, it would have been for the oral exams. So I would have yeah. been preparing students for the oral Irish and the oral French exam. And some of them were just painfully shy. And if you're going into an exam where you're being awarded marks for speaking, but you're not the type of person who is normally chatty and communicative. It is a really challenging exam and it can give them great opportunity for somebody who is a great communicator normally and they love chatting and it doesn't matter if it's in Irish, French or English, they will chat away and they're relaxed about it. Then they have a wonderful opportunity. In Irish, they get 40% of their leaving cert for their oral exam. So it's fantastic. And I think it's it's great that there are that many marks going for it. But for that student who is a, yeah, no, teenager who's totally self-conscious, that's really tough. And yeah, I mean, we could talk for ages about that, about how do we help our teenagers and stuff. But let's talk about the adult and the adult entrepreneur that you serve and that that is listening here mm. uh, to this podcast. And I'm and it's so interesting because I just recorded a podcast episode with John Murray, who talks about how of building the confidence as well for mm. actually getting the photograph taken and how we can actually trick our uh, hormones to make us in a more positive space to have a true smile. Mm -hmm. Is there a trick or a way of, because when, when you talk about unlocking confidence and speaking confidence, and I, and I really like this idea that you give structure and stuff in that process, but is there something that we could bring our awareness to even before we come to you to realize that it's an old pattern or 
Have you any thoughts on that? I think what what has been said to me, the word game changer has been used by two individuals in the past two weeks to me when I've said to them about switching the focus from yourself to the listener, to the audience. Because our biggest fear when we're standing up to speak, we're afraid that people are looking at us and they're judging us. They're judging us because we're speaking too fast or we're speaking too slow or we're using ums and as. They're judging us because we feel they're judging us because we're not given enough interesting content. What I have to say is boring. The number of people who say to me, why would anybody want to listen to me? It's boring what I do. So it's that what the, the images that we have of ourselves were thinking that others are going to be viewing us in that way. So when I take the focus off myself and think, who's going to be listening to this? How am I going to make it worth their while to listen to me? And how can I add value with what I'm saying? Now I'm switching my focus. It's not about me anymore. It's about the person that I am speaking to. And helping. Yeah. You know, so if it's at, we say, a networking event and someone is delivering their pitch at a networking event and you're saying, look, how can you help them to better understand what your business is? Then you're taking the focus off yourself and you're talking about how you've helped your clients, how you can help them or people that they know. If they're delivering, a, you know, a longer presentation, it's the same thing. You're thinking, how, what information can you give to these people today to make it worth their while listening to you? Yeah. And when that is switched, that focus, that helps. That's the the starting point for it. And everything that I do is always, it always starts with the audience. You know, who are they already? What do you know about them? What, what did they, what information do they have? What do you want to share? How do you bridge that gap between the two in a way that is going to be simple for them to understand and easy for them to remember afterwards? And it's a, that's, I mean, that's a fundamental marketing perspective anyway, thinking about the customer, mm. but it's kind of really nice to hear you say it in this context, because sometimes we switch our brains off when we're thinking about it in new uh, scenarios. So you saying switch the focus to the person listening, how can you serve them? How can you help them? I mean, that's marketing 101, mm. you know, really, but we, we can fall into a trap of forgetting that because of our own stuff. Yeah, we, we we box it into, you know, we, we box it that that's what I do in marketing. Oh, is that what I do in speaking as well? Or for me, the, the flip side of it, you know, that's yeah. what I'm teaching my clients. Oh, that's the exact same that I should be doing in my marketing, you know. So it's opening things up and, and thinking about it broader and how, yeah. how it applies. I love it. Tell me, is your sabbatical up so I have five, you have five years of a career break. You have to apply oh, wow. year on year. So okay. I have my application in and it's been granted for year four. So year four starts in September and then there's, wow. there's one further year after that. But at this point in time, things, things are going well. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. You know, I can't, I can't imagine going back to the classroom, but this time four years ago, I couldn't imagine being out of the classroom. So, you know, none of us know what life has in store for us. And you, uh, when you went to renew, you know, you renew your application for your sabbatical, mm. what was, what, what went through your head? What was the moment? Were you doing an assessment of where am I? How can I benchmark myself? Is this like, what was it like after that first year? 
Because the first year for you was probably really tentative. Mm. Uh, is that fair to ask oh, you that? Very much so. Yeah, because you're, you're coming in totally unknown. A lot of people who set up in business, they would have established a network within their, their field of expertise before that. Mm. And then they move out on their own. But they have they have their connections. I was coming in totally unknown. So I had to build that up and spend a lot of time building that up. And that was a lot of my, my work from the first year. And it was really seeing what's going to take, what are people going to be interested in? But, you know, public speaking is so huge. And a lot of people mm. think of it for, you know, going up and speaking on a stage. But the vast majority of people that come to me, it's wanting to speak up confidently at a meeting or speak up to their bosses, deliver that report in the boardroom do that confidently, that's far more of an issue than someone who wants to, you know, give a TED talk. That's They're, they're the rare examples, but it's the everyday communication that's there. So, you know, back to, the, to the, the question from the first year was tentative. It was building up connections, getting getting people to know me and so on. Second year then obviously grew on that. And that despite COVID, things things turned out well from that and year three is growing on that again and I someone said to me very early on you know you need to give it three years to see where you are at the end of three years and at that point you should be in a position where you're financially viable so it's like okay that took pressure off me because it was like I don't need to be matching my salary in year one or year two you know yeah. I'm, I'm okay for a little bit this is normal if it takes time for me to get to where I want to be. I love that consciousness that you have about it and that way of measuring. And I also love this idea that you are open in your research. You're just, you allow it, you allow the space for lack of knowledge because it's an extremely empowering thing to realize it's okay that I don't know all this stuff. I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to ask Google or I'm just going to ask these people in this network. And I actually think that this is, that's a, a very, very powerful thing that allows us to expand our own limits, remove limits, actually, by just saying, I don't know this yet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Really notice that about you. And especially even in, in your language in this conversation, that it was always, it's OK that I don't know. I'm just going to ask Google or I'm just going to ask these people here. And you just kept going quite methodically. That mm -hmm. must be the teacher in you. It's this methodical approach. Probably is, yeah. And you know, we have we have so much information at our fingertips through Google. Now you can go down all sorts of rabbit holes, and you can go all sorts of ways that things go wrong. But there is a huge amount of information there. Um, you know, from my first website, I did the the Leo course for the for building your website for WordPress, yeah. and then with the help of a YouTube video that I put the. WordPress website together because I had time on my hands. I didn't have clients at the time. It took a huge amount of time and that got me through until I was ready to upgrade to a better one, you know, but you, you have to do these things at the beginning. It's, it's not easy no, for anybody starting out. Everybody goes through that same slog. What was a tipping point for you that made you go, yes, it's something that made a difference and pushed you into a next stage? Because very often when a company grows, when a business grows, there are kind of points where something happens and something just clicks into a pe into place and it tips you into the next stage? I had been um, asked in December 2019, someone said to me, Maureen, would you ever do any of your training online? Because it was too far to travel from, there was somebody from Wexford and someone from Tipperary. And I was like, oh yeah, I probably will do that sometime. And it was a sometime. 
and then COVID came and mm. then that so COVID was definitely a tipping point for me because suddenly it was like well this is the time now you have to bring things online and for for me it was a testing ground it was a, a one for for all the awfulness that COVID has brought it has been a wonderful opportunity and it has been a great place for people to try new things and see because you were in that position where if I don't try this I can't I don't have a business. So I have to try to see does it work. And if this doesn't work, well, then I might be able to tweak it. And that whole feeling that you weren't, there wasn't maybe a, a fear of failure that might have been there before this because we were, you know, we were all testing out new things. So for me, the testing out was what was previously a one day workshop, you know, master your pitch, 60 second pitch, one day workshop with business owners. I can't do a one day workshop on Zoom. People will just be bored out of their head. How can I do this differently? And taking time from that, and I set that up originally as a five-day, I didn't call it a five-day challenge, but essentially it was five days where there was a short video each day where I took a core component of the one-day course that takes a lot of time when we're face to face, because it's a lot of thinking time from each of the individuals and they're working things out. And I thought they could do that themselves separately. So I ran this for five days, sent one video a day where people had a task that built up to day five. And then I had a webinar, held a free webinar then at the end to sort of pull it all together, give some examples. And that was my testing to see, does this work? Can I adapt this one day course to something else? And it did. And that's the format that I'm still using now. So when people sign up for the webinar now, they have the videos in advance. So they have about an hour's work done before they come to me. We have three hours of solid work and then we can fine tune it then in the one-to-one session. They have a one-to-one session of a half an hour afterwards, just fine tuning it, uh, any extra questions that they have, that type of thing. But it's amazing how well it's worked. And I had a client from the States attend before Christmas. So, you know, it has opened it up and I have another client from the States coming to the next one actually as well. So, Well done. Bravo. I love that idea that with all the negativity around COVID and I keep hearing this as well, that COVID has actually, you know, in the in the face of adversity, very often innovation Well, actually mostly in the face of adversity, innovation occurs and we are all innovating. So I love it. And I love that, again, that methodical approach to not being afraid to test, to try something out, because I think these are necessary ingredients for every business to succeed. If you were to leave people with three tips to unlock their speaking confidence, Maureen, what would you leave them with? I would leave them with my ace, which is, first of all, the audience. Like I've mentioned before, think yeah. about the audience. Who are they? What? How can you add value to them in whatever you're saying? How can you give them some information? How can you make it easy for them to access cutting out jargon, not having lots of data and stats and figures and so on. How can you make it easy for them to remember and for them to understand? That's the first thing. C for content. So how do you put a structure to it? You know, using that three, the power of three is wonderful. So your three could be just having a very clear beginning, middle and end, or it could be that you are going to have three main points. Like what you've asked me here for today, you've got three main points. And then the E is for engagement. How are you going to keep them interested? And particularly when we're speaking about online, you know, people are reaching for their phones. They're opening up that tab to send off an email at the 
while, while meetings are on and so on. How do you keep them interested in what you're saying? So by using your eye contact, by using your voice, we're not in the room anymore. We're not picking up vibes from, from people. We're not feeding off body language and the energy within the room. All we have are the two senses, the visual and what we can hear. So we need to really use those for impact. So ACE. How do we use those? Tell me, I love that. ACE, I love it. Um, how do we use that? Tell me more about the engagement piece. How do we recognise how do we use those two senses? Can you give me an example of how we can? So, well, one is from looking at the camera. There's still a huge number of people who look at the screen and, and they're looking at everybody in the screen rather than looking at the camera. And when you're looking at the camera, you're connecting with every single person at the same time, which is wonderful because we can't do that in a face-to-face situation. So, looking at the camera, it's counterintuitive. People find it very strange. What I did when I was starting out, put a little post-it note up beside my camera with a little smiley face to remind me to smile because I found that when I'm not in the room with somebody, I wasn't smiling as naturally as what I usually would do. So that's one. And then for the voice, it's just being aware of not having that monotone of speaking in the same tone all the time. People are just going to switch off. So you're using your pause, you're using different pace, different speed in which you're speaking and then emphasizing different words. All of those things that are going to help to make people listen because the voice has variety in it. So they would be the tips that I would use use there. Fantastic. So useful. Thank you so much, Maureen. And here I am looking at my camera now. So um, how can people find out more about you, Maureen? I'm on all the social media. LinkedIn is my preferred platform. So Maureen McCown. So you'll find me under Maureen McCown or under Soft Skill Success across the various platforms. And the website is softskillsuccess.ie. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a million, Fanola. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Maureen, check out her website at softskillsuccess.ie. And if you'd like to support Johnny and his family, please check out their GoFundMe page at gofundme.com slash F slash fight hyphen for hyphen Johnny's hyphen girls. Fight for Johnny's girls. I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care.